should Ooh. specify there's a dog in the studio today, and these aren't just how we, Hello, it's baby. just how we talk to each other. <laughs> this is how we Nevi. greet Julian. Hello, <laughs> Nevi. <laughs> Comedian Grace Mulvey and pop culture obsessive Neve King ask the question: What makes a great adaptation? We take a beloved book that has been made into a movie or TV show and do a deep dive into what the production got right or very wrong. From banger soundtracks to dodgy casting, we get into what it takes to make the jump from page to screen. Welcome to The Jump. Hello and welcome to this very special Valentine's Day episode of The Jump, where under the intense gaze of a controlling billionaire who always has a bemused look on his face, we enter the red room of pain. Whips, chains and a misunderstanding of what consent means. We ask the question, is there anything more romantic than signing an NDA? (laughs) Neve, is there? I mean, I just feel... At least you know what you're getting into, but actually, no, you don't. That's the point. No, you don't. If you haven't already guessed, we are talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Neve, this was your suggestion, by the way. So I just want to say, first of all, how dare you? (laughs) So this was a recommendation that we got from uh, Rob in London, recommended that we do Fifty Shades of Grey. We thought it would be a really fun Valentine's Day episode. Um... I have never read Fifty Shades of Grey. I'd never really? seen it. So this is me, a brand new, like brand new coming to the franchise. New, well, I knew stuff about it. Yeah. But not the details. So I was kind of like, you know, this will be a fun episode. A bit, a bit twilighty in terms of like, look, this is critically panned. Everyone hates this. I'm going to swoop in here and try and defend this. <laughs> and actually what I found was it's indefensible. I it's so bad. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'll play devil's advocate because I found one or two things of defense in it. Yes. Okay. But, good. No. I. Like, but I'm happy you came in knowing nothing. Yes. And the fact that you've made that link to Twilight is so funny, considering what we'll find out in this episode is how much it is linked to Twilight. I know. And just yeah, the reading of it, I found five hundred and five pages. Five hundred and five pages. I texted Grace. I was like, "Grace, I have terrible news. It's longer than Twilight." Which long-term listeners will know. Grace had a huge issue with the length of Twilight. Can I just say, <laughs> you messaged me like three days ago, being like, "It's yeah. twice as long as Twilight," and I hadn't started the book yet, and I was like, huh? <laughs> "I had many gigs. I had so much work before I was going to be able to do this." Can I just start with a story of how I managed to get the book, please? Because I wanted to tell you please. this. So. Lads, I've joined a local library in London, okay? Now, I know this is going to sound... Support libraries. Support libraries. I, honest to God, love a library. Same. And I've been going in and I just, like, read Swing Time by Sadie Smith. I was feeling so literary. I was like, amazing. <laughs> and then when we were like, let's do this Fifty Shades of Grey. So I went in. I was like, well, I'm not buying Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, the woman has enough money. Yeah. I'm going to use the library. Went in. They had every single other book by E.L. James, by the author. Then... The bloody Fifty Shades of Grey, the original. They had, by the way, I'm going to, I'll go into it, but like she has also released books from Christian's point of view, the other oh, characters. So like every other God. book was there. So then I had to go that up. That is so Stephanie Meyer coded. I know. <laughs> and I had to go up then to, in the very quiet library. <laughs> because I just had to go to the library. Hi, uh, do you have Fifty Shades of Grey? 
She's like, and she genuinely, I'm not lying, went, what? And I was like, 50 shades of grey. And then she went, how do you spell grey? G-R-E-Y or G-R-A-Y? And there was a man standing right behind me and he was actually quite good looking. I was like, is this, am I being, is this, am I being punked? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, I don't know, like probably try either or, but you'll know it when yeah. it comes up. Anyway, they had to order it in special for me. Grace, Grace. And it didn't come in time. And so I had to buy it anyway. And then, by the way, it's coming. So I still have to go in and get it. Because I'm like, I'd have to pay 50p, a bargain, oh. one would say. But I still have to go in and get it. Anyway, let's dive in. But that was me trying to get the bloody That's book. That's hilarious. Okay? Okay, right. Fifty Shades of Grey. Let's jump right into the book. Fifty Shades of Grey is a 2011 erotic romance novel by British author E.L. James. Um, It became the first installment of the Fifty Shades novel series that follows the deepening relationship between a college graduate, Anastasia Steele, and a young business magnate, Christian Grey. It contains explicitly erotic scenes uh, featuring elements of sexual practices involving BDSM. If you don't know what BDSM is, it's bondage, discipline, dominance, submission and sadism, masochism. The Fifty Shades series belongs to a genre of dark romance, right? Now, I kind of never... I just hadn't heard that as being its own genre. But anyway, this genre typically involves intricate and dramatic plots, (laughs) delving into the complex and profound emotional relationships, along with possibly exploring unconventional or thought-provoking themes, which I would say Fifty Shades of Grey does go under. Originally self-published as an e-book and print on demand in June 2011, the publishing rights of the novel were acquired by Vintage Books in March 2012. Fifty Shades of Grey has topped bestseller lists around the world and has been translated into 52 languages and set a record in the United Kingdom as the sa- fastest selling paperback of all time. The third, the second and third volumes of the original tr- trilogy, Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed, Freed, were published then in 2012. Sold The trilogy sold 150 million copies worldwide by October 2017. She then, fair play to her, as I said, uh, E.L. James, um, Publish a version of the novel from Christian's point of view. All three, all three, all three, all three. So there's, so there's six. So that yeah. So there's grey, Fifty Shades of Grey, as told by Christian. Oh Jesus. <laughs> then darker, Fifty Shades Darker, as told by Christian, and Freed, Fifty Shades Freed, as told by Christian. Once again, I feel like a marketing exec. I was like, fuck it, I'm not even gonna try with the titles. <laughs> this shit sells itself. <laughs> this is like giving away drugs. They'll just take it. <laughs> Now, E.L. James, a little bit about the author, Erica Mitchell, known by her pen name, E.L. James, is a British author. Now, I don't want to offend any American listeners. Yes. For some reason, I was so sure she was American. It was a complete shock to me that she was British. I thought yeah. that she was American. I don't know why it's a shock to me that she's British, but I just think it's because, I don't know, I don't it's, know. It's ba- The story is based in America. Like, it's based yeah. in Seattle. I think you're going to go into a little bit of why, why the, yeah. you know, where the book kind of came from and its origins, yeah. which explains where it was based, but... You know, I just don't understand. That's why I thought that she was American. Yeah. Like, why would she base it there? Otherwise, it's such and a I, random. And I'm going to say there's a bit of, and again, I don't offend anymore, a cringiness to it that just feels a bit more American. American, yes. there's, listen, there's Irish cringiness, there's British cringiness, there's also there's a cringiness out there, but it just felt particularly American. The, the cringe is specific to a geography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Irish exactly. people have a different definition of cringe. Irish people's cringe is notions. Yeah. <laughs> if you have notions, okay. Um, prior to being a published author, E.L. James wrote the Twilight fan fiction. 
<laughs> master of the universe that served as the basis of the Fifty Shades of Grey series under the web name Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. <laughs> Which is <Yes>. a choice. <laughs> I am just nodding like, yes, nothing you're saying is surprising to me. <laughs> James says the idea for Fifty Shades trilogy began as a response to the vampire no- <laughs> sorry James says the idea for the Fifty Shades trilogy began as a response to the vampire novel series Twilight in late 2008 James saw the movie Twilight and then became intensely absorbed in the, with the novels that the movie was based on she read the novel several times over a period of a few days and then for the first time in her life sat down to write a book basically a sequel to the Twilight novels. Between January and August 2009, she wrote two such books in quick succession. She says then she discovers the phenomenon of fan fiction and this inspired her to publish her novels as Kindle books under the name Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. Now, Neve, I just want to read an excerpt I managed to find from oh my God, <laughs> Masters of the Universe. I just want to see if this sounds familiar to you. Okay? Bella Swan is drafted in to interview the reclusive Sorry, Bella Swan is drafted in to interview the reclusive, enigmatic Edward Cullen, multi-millionaire CEO of his company. It's an encounter that will change her life irrevocably, leading her to the dark realms of desire. That's so funny. Okay, I have such a stupid question yeah. to start off. I don't know why I'm trying to dig into the logic yeah. of this. But why is this a sequel to Twilight if Bella is meeting Edward for the first time? No, I think it was originally sequels to Twilight and then it became, she discovered okay, fan fiction. No, that's got it. me this is reading different. between this the lines. So she was like, then she was like, do you know what I'm going to do is put Bella in? Yeah. <laughs> and like Edward is, but you know what, what I find really interesting? She has understood the power dynamic here. Oh yeah. Actually pretty well because yeah. like, we'll go into the plot now just so for anyone who hasn't read the books. But basically like Christian Grey is a billionaire. Yeah. So he has all the power. He has the money and then, you know, and he's older. Not that much older. No, the difference, the age difference between Edward Cullen and Bella Swan. <laughs> More I severe. Mean, questionable at best. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there is such a, she's gotten that down kind yeah. of really well. But um, anyway, listen. Uh so, as I said, this it was um, fan fiction very on the nose when it comes to Twilight. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't know how this woman wasn't sued. Anyway, listen. <laughs> E.L. James has spoken of her shock at the success of the books. She said, the explosion of interest has taken me completely by surprise. James has described the Fifty Shades trilogy as my midlife crisis writ large. All of my fantasies in there and that's it. I will say, in reading... Um, all of like interviews with her she, again she just is a person who's like I write, sat down to write some fan fiction and this exploded it yeah. like it wasn't like she was like I'm doing it yeah. I'm gonna you know this one's for the girls this, and well, I was reading an interview with her and uh, it was kind of one of those question answer things mm-hmm. and um, basically they said to her what what I wish I'd known and her answer was you don't have to answer every question particularly about your sex life oh, so I yeah. imagine by her also publishing this you are putting yourself out in the line here particularly when it comes to like eroticism and anything to do with women's sexuality you're gonna be a joke and like there was something about that that I was like god I hope she's like you know I know like listen the woman has made a lot of money good for her and like I her forward in the book I don't know if you read it but I, did, I yeah. yeah you know she was like a lot of people reached out to her people who really enjoyed it I, but she's very aware of the criticism like she's not yeah. so in saying that let's go through the plot <laughs> So all I'm saying is... Speaking she, of criticism. <laughs> but you know what I mean? She seems like a very lovely woman. But I'm going to say, like, let's go into this, okay? <laughs> so, okay, guys, I'm going to give you the plot as best I can. I like to perform this as much as I can, but here we go. 
21-year-old Anastasia Anna Steele is an English literature major on the brink of graduating from university. She finds herself in the strange situation of having to interview an intimidating billionaire entrepreneur who she knows nothing about. She has to do this because the original interviewer, her best mate Kate, is sick. And although Kate is a apparently a ferocious journalist, she doesn't know one other journalist student who could possibly do this for her. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know the billionaire entrepreneur who happens to be 27... <laughs> The Kylie Jenner of his generation, one would say. <laughs> a self-made billionaire, 27. <laughs> is an absolute ride by the name of Christian Grey. Anastasia literally falls into Christian's office and uh, because although she can be trusted to handle this coveted interview, the woman hasn't mastered walking into rooms. <laughs> she stumbles through the interview and believes it went poorly especially when she asked him for no reason if he was gay. Anna, not expecting to meet Christian again, is surprised when he appears at the hardware store she works at a few days later. Side note, Christian obviously finds being asked if he's gay a turn on. When Anna mentions that Kate would like a photo for her article, Christian offers to arrange a photo session. The next day, Anna, along with Kate and their photographer friend Jose, arrive at Christian's hotel for a photo shoot. Christian invites Anna for coffee. When he asks if she's dating someone, Anna replies that she's single. Christian, out of nowhere, abruptly ends the date, leaving Anna to believe she's not attractive enough for him. Later, Christian sends Anna a first edition copy of Test of the Durbervilles worth 14k. That night, Anna goes out with her mates and gets drunk. She's not a big drinker. This is noted a lot in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, she drunk dials Christian, who says he's coming to get her out of nowhere. He tracks her phone. She doesn't tell him where he is. He tracks her phone. When Anna goes outside for some fresh air, Jose, her mate, attempts to kiss her and doesn't stop when she says no. It gets real dodgy. This isn't dwelled on in the book at all. <laughs> but is stopped by Christian's arrival. Anna leaves Christian and awakens, or Anna leaves with Christian and she uh, wakes up in his hotel room not remembering what much that happened last night. He, re- he assures her nothing happened but he did change her out of her clothes and sleep beside her. Again, grand. <laughs> Scolds her for her careless behaviour. Christian wants to have a sexual relationship with Anna, but she must first fill out some paperwork. Totally normal. (laughs) Christian flies Anna to Seattle in his helicopter. At his penthouse, Christian makes Anna sign a non-disclosure agreement. An NDA. No red flags here. He also mentions other paperwork, but first brings her to his playroom filled with BDSM objects and gear known as the Red Room because it's all red like a house of fucking horrors. <laughs> Christian informs her that the second contract that she must sign it will be about dominance and submission and he wants her to be his submissive. There'll be no romantic relationship only a sexual one. The contract even forbids Anna from touching Christian or making eye contact with him. At this point Christian realises that Anna is a virgin. <laughs> Not wanting her first sexual relationship to be a BDSM experience because he's just a good dude. (laughs) He has conventional sex with her and sleeps in her bed. The following morning, Christian's adoptive mother, Grace, arrives and is surprised to meet Anna, having never seen her son with a woman. This isn't moving fast at all. Christian discloses (laughs) to Anna that um, he lost his virginity at the age of 15 to one of his mother's friends, Ella Lincoln. It was his first BDSM relationship. He was the submissive. Anna goes home for a few days because, you know, she generally just doesn't want to have a penis in her for, the, for about two seconds um, <laughs> and receives many packages from Christian. This includes a laptop to research the BDSM lifestyle in consideration of the contract. Anna becomes overwhelmed by the potential BDSM relationship and having a non-romantic sexual relationship. And also possibly because she just had sex for the first time and can't talk about it with anyone in great detail because she signed an NDA. <laughs> 
<laughs> Christian sees Anna at her college graduation because he's the keynote speaker. Good power dynamic here. <laughs> it, it is here that Anna agrees to sign the contract. Probably in no way direct reaction to graduating college and going out into the real world. That night, Christian spanks Anna for the first time. And it's an experience that leaves her both enticed and slightly confused, a.k.a. she balls her eyes out. As again... She just had sex a few days ago for the first time and has graduated college that day. The confusion is exasperated by <laughs> Christian's lavish gifts. He bought her a car and the fact that he brings her to meet his family. The two, the two continue the re- arrangement without Anna having signed the contract yet. Cheeky. <laughs> After landing a job in Seattle Independent Publishing House, Anna fur- further bristles under the NDA's restrictions and her complex relationship with Christian. The tension between Anna and Christian comes to a head after Anna asks Christian to punish her to show her how extreme a BDSM relationship could be. Christian complies, beating her with a belt. Realising they are incompatible, a devastated Anna breaks up with Christian and returns to the apartment she shares with Kate. Well, bravo. Fantastic thank recap. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When you read it out... <laughs> When you put it like that. Do you know what? A bit bananas. Like, what's mad about it is there is, I, I think I counted maybe like in the book, there is about 11 or 12 pretty intense sexual descriptions. Yes. Like their sexual encounters. So it is quite sex heavy. Yeah. But it is like when you start reading the plot, you are like, oh, this is actually like really intense. There's like, a lot in, going on yeah. here. And like the two things really surprised me having come to it fresh First was that revelation about Christian's background, yeah. which is very serious and very yeah. upsetting. Yeah. And the second is... Which, in fairness, Anna does treat... Like, she's always like, that woman was a paedophile. You yes. were groomed. Like, she doesn't even say groomed, but she was like, that was that messed was up. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that. it is treated, like, quite seriously by Anna and not so much by, by Christian because he is still... You know, he's, he's, he's traumatized by yeah. what's happened to him, and he just still doesn't see it as abuse. And this woman is still in his life. Yeah, and he, he talks to her a lot. Like yeah. he's kind of confides in her. Yeah. Um, the second what that surprised me was that Anna doesn't sign the contract yeah. and leaves at the end. And yeah. I actually was very pleasantly surprised by that. I did not realize that's how it ended, and I really liked that. I was like, oh yeah, yeah she's like, no, I don't <laughs> like this. And yeah. a few times she pushes back on the contract. I think that the. We'll talk about the contract in more detail. But there is uh, a part where in the contract he says the submissive will have a workout session with a personal trainer of the dominance choosing four times a week. Four times a week. And she's like, I'm not working out four yeah. times a week. <laughs> she's like, if I'm putting my foot down anywhere, I'm not working out four times a week. I mean, listen, there's times where I'm like, Do you know what? An icon has been born here. She's like, I'm, I'm not like Simone Biles. Okay. I'm... <laughs> I'm literally just a girl. I'm literally just a girl. Just trying to live my life out here again. And he's like three and a half. She's like three. <laughs> three yeah. is fine. Yeah. Which is still a lot. Um, um, uh, yeah. There's also a thing about, uh, I just want to say really quickly. Well, we'll go through like our bits about what we want to talk about in the book. Obviously, this is a whole Twilight comparison and stuff. But my big thing about it is as well, the eating. There is a huge thing about him controlling what she's eating. He notices when she doesn't eat all the fuck time. Yeah. And by the way, she's kind of one of these annoying characters. It's like, I haven't eaten today. I, just <laughs> thought, I totally forgot. I'm like, shut up, Anna. <laughs> just have a, have a, a croissant in the morning or something. <laughs> like, I do. I feel like I'm her mom. And I I'm know. like, ah, come on now. You're hungry. But she's always forgetting She's just eat. a little she's dove. Like, the thought of being spanked has reduced my stomach to knots and I couldn't possibly swallow this grape. Like, Anna, 
girl, get up. Like. Get up. <laughs> and the other big thing that I want is the drinking. So like, it, uh, it is noticed, right? So yes. this that night that she drunk dials him, right? Um, She's not a big drinker. She says this herself. It's her last night at college. She's like, fuck it, I'm going to go wild. Like, and she drinks a bit. And, uh, and of course, probably hasn't eaten because you know Anna. <laughs> at this stage now, she hasn't lined the stomach. Um, spank or no spank. And uh, she... <laughs> She, but she, but th- that's a whole thing, right? Yeah. He's really annoyed at her because like you put yourself in harm's way, Ugh. which I, she was like, she was around, surrounded by, let's be honest, again, friends who she trusts and Jose who does try to assault her. Like yeah. there's no, no two ways about it. It's weirdly overlooked in the book. Yeah. In the film, well, and we'll talk about that, the, that scene is not as um, intense. Like, yeah. it's sort of like, he's like, I'd like to kiss you. She's like, no. And he's like, oh. And then, and then, and then Christian, Christian comes barrels in. <laughs> I don't know where. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. tackles says it. But in the book, it is like, he's kind of holding her. And he keeps, and he keeps like kissing her. And yeah, it's very intense. But it's it's just literally a medium for Christian to save her. It's not to be explored later. I know, like it's but I just... think I think what actually it, what really upset me about it is a few pages later, it, because by the way, again, like Twilight, it's all inner monologue. Yeah. Christ on a bike, lads. I swear to God. There are times where I'm like, women should have less to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. If I've said but it once. No, no, like, <laughs> someone's internal monologue is not a joyous thing to read. I will say, like I've done it now a few times. I'm like, I don't want to read someone's internal monologue like yeah. that much. But... You know, she in her head a few days later is like, oh, I should call Jose back. I feel bad. Like, I've left him. He's been trying to call. And I'm like, what? Yeah. that is not explored. You never have to speak to this man again. Yeah, but that's not explored at all. And yeah. he doesn't actually have, there's no ramifications for what he did. Mm. Um, anyway, but the whole drinking thing is from that time on, Christian knows he's not a big drinker. Every single time they want to talk about anything or discuss the contract, glass of wine. There's wine. And he says in the book, Oh, it's because you're more um, forthright once you've had a drink. Basically, like, but like, then again, that consent thing of like, yeah. you're giving this woman a drug that yeah. she, by the way, has said, not, not, not great on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, so, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I kind of didn't really know how to stop, but yeah. Because she's 21, he's 27. It's not a big age difference, but it's like 21. Like, you know what I mean? The drinking you might do at 21 yeah. is very different. And she's described, she's younger than 21. Like, she yeah. is described as someone who's like incredibly inexperienced. She does like, yeah, that's that's yeah. her whole deal as well. She's in college. She doesn't go out drinking that much. She's never had sex before. Yeah. She's never even really kissed someone properly. She does, is described as more of a little girl type, yeah. you know? I mean, literally her, she's... <laughs> Sorry, she's a literature student, and then they're like, "What's your favorite literature?" She's like the Bronte sisters, I love British literature, and I'm like, Anna, shut up. Sorry, and this is where I struggled the most with the book is that, and listen, it is what it is. There's a place for everything. It's essentially like soft smut. It's made yeah. to be enjoyed. It is so poorly written, like it's yeah. so hard to read because of how bad it is. And I do get the sense that E.L. James, once again, no offense, wherever you are, was googling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I need to put a writer in here. Famous writers. Uh, but Thomas it, Hardy. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. There was, it was, and also what I find so interesting, I'm like, oh, you can tell this is written by a woman who is not, uh, who was 20, maybe like 20 years ago. Yeah. Because she's like, the Bronte sisters, the music Christian listens to is like Beethoven. Like no one is, li- like, you know, and then every so often, like, but I, I like eclectic music. I also like Kings of Leon. Like, oh my God. The Kings <laughs> again, of Leon. That's put in that I'm like she's literally never listened to Kings of Leon that's what life. I mean yeah. it just feels so yeah like all of these bits are just like thrown in with no consideration or anything about how they're forming the characters that they're talking about yeah 
look, you referenced it a few times. I really want to talk about the, the Twilight. The Twilight of, of it all. all. Yeah. Because this book I knew that it was based, that it evolved from fi- Twilight fan fiction. I think that's quite a well-known yeah. thing about Fifty Shades. It is Twilight. Yeah. It is beat for beat. It is Twilight with different names. And instead of vampirism, it's billionaireism. Like, that is <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. the difference. And God, literally, exactly, yeah. like, you can read, like, here's their first interaction. It doesn't go well. Here's their second interaction. He comes out of nowhere and saves her. Here's the third yeah. interaction. He's telling her to stay away from him. Like I said, long-time listeners will know. I know Twilight well. Yeah. This was, it's almost like if you put like a sketch of Fifty Shades over a painting of Twilight, all the bits would line <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. And I mean? then just randomly put in Kings of Leon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, instead of, uh, not Radiohead, Kings of Leon. <laughs> They're cool, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he plays piano and this is his family that you're going to get to meet and they're quite intimidating and he's close to... Oh. I mean, Ana- Anastasia for one, okay. First of all, the book is Bella, Twilight book, inner monologue. Yeah. Anastasia, inner monologue. Like and by the way, it doesn't even make much sense her in a monologue half the time. But then, her mo- Anastasia's mum, flaky mother, yeah. doesn't live with her. Lives far away with her new husband, exact same as Bella. She has a dad who is stoic and kind of a loner, exact same as Bella. And um, every man in the book who looks at her is insanely horny for her, <laughs> much like Bella. <laughs> she can't walk two feet without tripping over herself and face planting. She's incapable of incapable. anything. Of anything. Yeah. I can't believe she works in a hardware store. Oh Who allowed that? She's <laughs> so dangerous. Why a hardware store? This woman would be like swimming in nails all the time. <laughs> She'd just fall back. There's also, much like Twilight, no joy in this romance. Oh, yeah. And that's something I want to talk about yeah. when we talk about the movie as well. It is completely joyless. Yeah. Void of joyless. joyless. Yeah. And like once again... It has its place. I think it is. The book especially is about the sex. It's about yeah. those sex scenes. And that's why it's such a massive seller. Yeah. And I think that it provided some... Like, there's a reason that it's this popular. It's a yeah. reason that it's made all this money. And there is, like, an audience for this book that are so often, as you mentioned earlier when talking about E.L. James, kind of the subject of ridicule. Oh, and yeah. So, and who are kind of a bit of a joke. And Fifty Shades is a bit of a joke. But it was a joke because it was about sex and yeah. women were buying it. Yeah. That's what was funny about it. Not the fact that Anastasia says, holy cow, like 11 yeah, times a yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. Like, or that like, I if I read the word bemused <laughs> <laughs> one more time, Christian always has a wry smile on his face and a bemused <laughs> look in his eyes. He also, again, all the characters, their d- physical descriptions, much like Twilight, yeah, no, nothing. Christian like, I is couldn't. a block of granite. Like yeah. that's all that we are to know of him. But the, you know what? You you picked on something really interesting, right? The whole thing about like the reason why it's such a big ridic- listen. It's not a well written book. Again, yeah, w- like it is hard to read. Yeah, like there was a search in her place for Bella, Bella. Anastasia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I think, um, one thing that I I find that like the reason it became so popular is. First of all, there's obviously a gap in the market for this. Why isn't there better eroticism for women? Like, it, why? Like, and I mean, just like she tapped into something. And fair play to her, because like I'm not making millions over here out of shit I'm writing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She is. She tapped into something that obviously a lot of people, particularly women, were looking for. Yeah. If anything, it makes me go. As a society, we should like any man who works in mar- publishing, any woman who works in publishing, should go. I'm a fucking idiot. Because this woman came along with a book that's not even that well written. Yeah. 
And she's obviously spotted something that I haven't. Yeah. And yet, actually, the publishing world hasn't done that at all. Like, what what did she tap into that's there? And that she noticed that no one else did. And then all of these, like, comedians or whatever will make big jokes about her on, like, TV shows and stuff. And you're like, well, I don't know. She spotted something that, like, how bad are women having sex? <laughs> like, or this men, if I was a man, I'd be like, right, I must read this. Because this there's something it. that's missing here that, like, women are like, ah. Uh-uh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but also the reason it became such a big hit was it was because, if you're thinking 2011, 2012, the Kindle. Yeah. Women were able to read this in public without anyone knowing they were reading yes. it. So it was like in plain sight. And that was a, like a running joke by people being like, I'm reading it on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows. No just, one knows. Just sort of like, <laughs> <laughs> now if you can't see what I'm doing, it's like, shimmy not a seat. <laughs> Grace like, is doing some kind of humping gesture. <laughs> you know, a dog on a carpet. Anyway, um, but you know what I mean? And it was dubbed mummy porn because it was like a lot of married women over 30 yeah. buying it. But I like, Again, even that mummy porn, like it's like, well, again, then the, obviously the porn industry are missing a beat. Yeah. What is happening here is you're pointing out that a lot of capitalists who are going to make fun of this are missing a beat of a market that's there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, mummy porn. And you're like, what? So it's, it's not as good as regular porn that is just a, very abusive to women. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why not? It, there was something about it where it kind of angered me where I'm like, even if you're going to ridicule this woman, at least be like, Jesus, you really spotted something there. Because you know I mean? think that there is a long history of this is actually how women share eroticism is through books. Yeah. You know, and like banned books being kind of shared covertly. I'm thinking of something like Lady Shatterley's Lover, which is, is like... Edna O'Brien? Y- no, no, sorry. That's, but Edna O'Brien also had a book that was quite... Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, that, that, like The Country Girls. Yeah. And like of books that are kind of passed hand to hand and kind yes. of hidden. And like these, you're getting these old copies like that are cracked spines and even in school I remember people passing like Mills and Boone books around and things and that is how like women were discovering this kind of erotica that was catering to them because it's not shown on screen that much and it's not shown in porn and it's not shown in porn and like obviously there's porn out there for women like not all women want this type but there is something here that's something kind of safe about eroticism captured in a book where if you're new to it and you're not really haven't been a sexual person but you want to be and you're maybe yeah in your 40s in a marriage have kids there's something kind of exciting about it that feeling of I'm hiding behind my Kindle or you know and that is it, it taps into that. There's a long history of that is what I'm trying to say. Yes, and, uh, yeah. Um, because as well, I'm people, thinking of like... Yeah, don't consider it yeah. important. Or but, don't consider anything of it. But if you think about even like back in the day, like I know we don't have to do it now, but like say if you were in like any kind of news agents or petrol station in the 90s and early 90s, you were going to see like Nuts magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and like, or Playboy. Like there was, those magazines were there. Yeah. And that is for men. And yet it was never like you know what I mean, debated that it would be there. Like, yeah. I know there were debates in, in certain, but like, it was just there. But like, you, then this comes out and everyone, all the, everyone's like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Yeah. So stupid rather than just what, a page, pair of tits on page three <laughs> that used to be in the sun. Are you telling me that's not as stupid? Beside the Kit Kats. Literally kids were like, gotta get the sun for me, dad. <laughs> I like a Kit Kat. Thanks, Will. Like, what are you talking about? So there is something where you are like, yeah, it's that reaction again. It just makes fun of, you know. Yeah. Anyway, but the critical response, just to go through a few more bits, obviously mixed to negative reviews. <laughs> Most critics noted the poor quality, literary qualities of the work. Again, this woman was writing fan fiction. And I think that is what um, 
kind of wasn't just I don't know looked at properly. Salmon Rushdie. Oh yeah. Said I about the this. book. Sorry, let me get the quote down. Uh, Salmon Rushdie said about the book. I've never read anything so badly written that got published. It made Twilight look like War and Peace. <laughs> like is, he's not wrong. He's not I'm wrong. Not wrong. It's so badly written. Like I was so. Oh, anyway, not boring. Go on. <laughs> Maureen Dowd described the book in the New York Times as written like a Bronte devoid of talent and <laughs> said it was dull and poorly written. But then there were people who did come out, like Princeton professor April Alliston uh, wrote, There's no lit- though no literary masterpiece, Fifty Shades is more than uh, parasitic fan fiction based on the recent uh, Twilight uh, Vampire series. British uh, author Jenny Colin in The Guardian wrote, it's a jolly, eminently readable and as sweet and safe as BDSM erotica can be without um, contravening the Trade Descriptions Acts. So, like, basically it's just like, it's enjoyable and it's, you know, which I, again, maybe it's enjoyable. I, because I suppose we're doing it for this, I didn't find find it enjoyable. But yeah. I remember I did read it back yeah. in the day. So I, I can't remember, I must have been in my early 20s and I did find it enjoyable. Yeah. Then. And there was something about maybe because, I don't know, maybe as a society we've come a bit more further, but I just remember I'd never read anything like that. There is a bit, and not to go too much into it, but what, actually, let me ask you, what did you think of the actual sex scenes in the book, the description of them? I thought they were fine. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were fine. They're Like, they weren't, they were definitely the best written. <laughs> they were definitely <laughs> the best so part funny? of the book. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're like, the best written of the book. And yeah. that's what I mean. That's what, That is the purpose of the book, is that it is porn it's soft yeah. like it's smut you know and that is the purpose of the book and that is I think what she was trying to do and that bit she does really well it's the in-betweens where because then it becomes and I don't know much about the next two it becomes a trilogy and I believe what happens is Christian eventually admits that you know no I'm not into BDSM I actually am a sadist and I have trauma from my mother mm. and the, and I'm like okay I don't know if E.L. James is the person that I want to tackle this yeah yeah maybe you should stick to these scenes which are really good and erotic and fun and yeah because the in-between is not doing it for me well the in-between is where the abuse happens yeah because it's, it really is the abuse in a relationship yeah you know what I mean between these two people like Christian is an absolute psychopath oh, <laughs> this guy's a psycho his mood swings yeah there's nothing redeemable about this guy no at all. there's no not. personality there <laughs> to yeah. explore yeah What's funny about the the BDSM thing like obviously that attracted quite a f- bit of criticism as you kind of alluded to there because you know some BDSM participants uh, criticised the book because it confuses the practice with abuse and yeah. presents it um, incorrectly and, poss- and presents possibly dangerous BDSM t- techniques. Um, coinciding with the release of the book um, and its surprising popularities, injuries related to BDSM and <laughs> sex toys <laughs> spiked dramatically. In the year after the novel's publishing in 2012, injuries requiring emergency room visits increased by over 50%. Oh, wow. From 2010, like, which was the year before the book oh, was published. I, um, that's like so- I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> I hope everyone's okay. I hope everyone's able to sit. But I think there's something kind of nice about that. Yeah. I really like the idea of, like, someone... That's what I think is important. And when I said earlier that I think Fifty Shades is indefensible, it's not true. I believe there's a place for everything. And people find things in the way that they find them. Yeah. And if, if, if a woman who had never found this before discovered this and it actually did something for her yeah. and she turned to a partner and said I want to try this and they did I'm happy you know yeah, I think that's yeah, lovely yeah, 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 yeah. and then they end up in the emergency room it's cute I, that's um, such a story such <laughs> like, a I'm story gonna, I'm going to tell my grandkids about the time I used <laughs> these vaginal clamps <laughs> it really really saved my marriage uh, <laughs> 
Several critics and scientists have expressed concern that the nature of the main couple's relationship is not BDSM at all, but ra- rather the characteristic of abusive relationships. Yeah. Um, a social scientist in 2013, Amy uh, Bomini, published a study wherein multiple professionals read and assessed the books for characteristics of intimate partner violence and um, using the CDC's standards for emotional abuse and sexual violence, the study found that nearly every interaction between Anna and Christian was mostly emotionally abusive in nature, including stalking, intimidation and isolation. I, like that, that's what I mean about like the actual, the sex is so kind of they're communicating they're like yeah, getting consent the all the between. time it's and the it's just such a misunderstanding of BDSM because I don't mm. think that there's any community in the world that is as thoroughly dedicated to consent as BDSM yes, yeah. that's such a marker of that community and I also read some criticism that they had towards the film like that community and they said she said no don't come to my apartment and he did that's yeah. not BDSM she yeah. said I don't want to like do this and he did anyway that's not you know like so this is I don't think E.L. James knows a lot yeah, I <laughs> about know. BDSM but, it, <laughs> but it's that thing of like that there it's and I think actually early 20s Grace did find it romantic that he showed up at her apartment oh yeah oh, and yeah. I think that's the thing where like I that's when <clears throat> when I reread it I didn't enjoy it because I was like as well I was like the way you speak and I was like who the fuck are you like yeah. would you jo-? and I think this is maybe in your 30s where you're like I hear mate jog on will you <laughs> <laughs> In you the know. movie as well, when he follows her, she goes home to visit her mom, and he follows her to a different state to to track her. And by the way, and like also there's like another Cosmo. This is oh. exactly what <laughs> in the movie. He takes, she goes, she's going to sip a Cosmo. She's having a little girl's day out with her mom. They're having some drinks at the spa. He shows up, and as she goes to sip a cocktail, takes it out of her hand. Takes it out. That was the bit that I was like, absolutely not. That cocktail, I guarantee you, was twelve dollars or more. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's 2012, it's a different economy, but like still $12. Okay, so the movie, 2012, the book has really taken off. So immediately, the book came out 2011, 2012, many studios were bidding for the rights to the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. And the author of the trilogy, E.L. James, wanted to retain a large amount of creative control. So she went with the people who were going to give her that creative control. Um, She chose the team who actually produced The Social Network. Oh my God, stop. Yes, yes. And in her contract, basically said she had final say over nearly everything and that really contributes to why this movie is the way that it is so they were so what I couldn't get over when researching this because obviously the books were huge Mm -hmm. they were outselling Harry Potter Twilight the Bible they're going mad people were (laughs) interested the big, the big three. The big three. The big I don't three. know if I have to even say it, but you know, Harry Potter, Twilight, and the Butter. <laughs> the victory. Um, people were interested in this. People yeah. wanted to be included in this. This was not like, really? you know, we're saying that the books were critically panned and a bit of a joke. People knew this would make money. Yeah. You know, this was something that people wanted to be involved in. And in my research, what I found was there were a lot of opportunities for this movie to actually be very interesting, you know, to do something with this. And I do think that if something is popular, there's real things in this story. Like we mentioned, like 
the the abuse that Christian suffered as a yeah. child, the a woman's like revelation of her own sexuality. There's stuff here. Like that's yeah. interesting, obviously. We all and that could have really have been uh I mean, look at Barbie. Again, yeah. this is something where like and I know Barbie's always gonna be now the big thing, but you can make something out of like well, Barbie wasn't even a story, but like you can make something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very and interesting. Not quite nothing, obviously, yeah. but out of something basic, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So one of those who was vying for a shot at the screenplay, who really wanted to write the screenplay to this. Brett Easton Ellis, author of American Psycho. Eve, get out. <laughs> you are kidding me. Can you imagine? Because I can Stop so clearly imagine a world where he wrote this screenplay. And it's essentially, I guess, American Psycho. Because it but, is American Psycho, yeah. yeah. So, so interesting. The job eventually went to Kelly Marcel, whose previous big credit was saving Mr. Banks. You know, so... Just the first of many examples where it's like, okay, here's an opportunity to do something with this or elevate this a little bit. And they turned away and kind of went safe, I feel. The next, obviously, was moving on then to choice of director. Now, the job eventually went to Sam Taylor Johnson. And we'll talk a little bit about her later because her story alongside making this movie, I find really interesting. She didn't have a ton of credits to her name. She was kind of, she was yeah. actually kind of an artist. I don't know. Are you familiar with Sam Taylor Johnson? Yeah, yeah, I know a bit about her. Yeah. She directed Nowhere Boy. Was yeah. kind of her big, um, yeah. big credit before this. It's also where she met her husband, who at the time was eighteen. Mm-hmm. She was forty-two. So a ton of controversy around that relationship, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what she was known for up until this point. The studio's choices to direct before she got the the gig, Joe Rice, director. You're going to die when you hear these credits. Okay. Atonement. Shut up. Pride and Prejudice. Oh my God. Keira Knightley version. Anna Karenina. Like, those are opulent. Those are delicious, delicious, opulent movies. That matched with the writer. Can you imagine? That is such a different, different Different film. film. Yeah. Yeah. And I think could really tap into something yeah. amazing the other choice of director which would bring it in a different direction but I think still is interesting Steven Soderbergh oh my god Ocean's Eleven Aaron Brockovich like that now I, funny enough I'm not as and not because I like maybe he would have had a very interesting but there was so, there's something about the others that I'm like yeah. oh that could be really Steven something. Soderbergh I think is interesting because he really can do a thriller yes and yeah. it's I, it would definitely I feel like the, a Joe Rice Fifty Shades of Grey is romance and opulence mm-hmm. and and sex and yeah. like yeah very yeah. fun, and the Steven Soderbergh coupled with like a Brad Easton Ellis that's a thriller that's American yes. Psycho yeah, again yeah 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 so both like really interesting. can we get all three to work on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I just think like it's very interesting to think about what what could have been and yeah. I was um, no other women up for it no. Yeah, that's no, interesting. No. I, I, obviously, because unfortunately Hollywood has been s- such arseholes to female directors. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, because I would, it is nice to see a woman involved. Like, I do think there's something about it being such a, a female, like, forward, like, uh, Adop- sexual adaptation. Yeah, adaptation. Yeah. I would have liked to see, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. a woman, woman director. So I'm happy there was a woman director, but I'm just wondering if there was anyone. Like, imagine Sophia Coppola got her hands on it. I mean, like, there it is. <laughs> It'd just be Anna staring at windows for days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? There's something about What's that. A whip. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it does feel at every turn 
there was the chance to do something. And what they eventually, I feel, studios went for, they chose the money yeah. over any kind of like kind of create interesting creative pursuit because they're the audience that was there for this is an audience that wanted the book on screen. Yeah. I will, yeah. And that is it. And that is, I think, the big tension for the adaptation is that all of the people from the movie industry who were involved in it wanted to do something with this mm-hmm. and really wanted to dig in mm-hmm. and, like, elevate the story. And then everyone who came from it from, like, the book side of the world were like, this movie is fan service. Yeah. That is the purpose of this movie. And that's what we want it to be. And a bit like Twilight, can I say? Do you remember like there was like controversy about them? I think it was like the actor who was playing Alice was going to be like two inches yes. taller than the actual exactly. character. You are talking about fans who are like, you know, avid fans. Rabbits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So listen, the choice was made. Yeah. The movie critically panned. The most awarded picture at the 36th annual Razzies. <laughs> God. However... It made $571 million mm-hmm. worldwide. Yeah. So this was huge. People mm-hmm. were seeing this in droves. It fit what the audience wanted to see with the yeah. movie. But getting there was not without its backlashes. So I'm going to talk a little bit about first about the casting. Yeah. And the audience response. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Do it was you... very measured and logical. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know... Who E.L. James wanted to play, wanted for the role of Christian Grey. No, I, okay, let me guess. Let, yeah. me, let me have a guess at it. Um, I feel like I don't know. Would you want like someone who played Superman? Or oh yeah, I don't know, but I would imagine someone like Henry Cavill. Okay, Robert Pattinson. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> leave that man. <laughs> Myers, not sue this woman. The author of Twilight should have sued. I bet you she showed up on her gaff. She's like, listen, I'll leave you alone, but if you take Pattinson. <laughs> I, just think, I can't believe, like, James, Erica. Yeah. Come on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christ. There's, this woman does not have a creative bone in her body. <laughs> she is like, just, she is just horny. There's nothing else. <laughs> you are allowing your horniness to cloud your judgment. <laughs> We've all been there, but you need to calm need to down. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, do you know who the studio wanted to play Christian Grey? It was your man from Sons of Anarchy. No. no well, yes, yes, he did eventually get yeah. the dot. Their first choice was Ryan Gosling. Which, but he's just Ken. He's just- <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't possibly be Christian. Listen, he's just he was Ken. saving himself for yeah. Ken. So obviously, he was like, "Oh, I'm, de- I'm actually oh, grand, thanks." Yeah. No, he, um, he would. And actually, I don't like. No offense to Ryan Gosling. I don't think he could have played. No, not no. The, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. Charlie Hunman from Sons of Anarchy was eventually cast. Mm. Um, he was cast alongside Dakota Johnson. They got cast at the same time. Their screen test, apparently, the chemistry was through the roof. The roof. Everyone who was witnessed has said, like, this really? was really the reason he was cast because their chemistry was electric. And Dakota Johnson had said she was super excited about it because she could feel in the room they were working really well yeah, together. Yeah. It felt fun. It felt sexy. All of those things. There was backlash from fans because he was too blonde. He was simply too blonde, Grace. What can you say? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to do with that. Um, Eventually, he did have to drop out because of scheduling conflicts with uh, Sons of Anarchy, which he was very well known for. He was the star of that show. And other actors were considered, including, and this is someone who I think 
actually would have smashed this and and really made this movie. Alexander Skarsgård. <gasps> Wouldn't oh, he be perfect? God. You know why? And I tell you, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you for That why. man's a little freak. Yeah. He is a little weirdo. Have yeah. you ever seen him on a red carpet? Yeah. He is a weirdo. He is so fun. She likes under- succession. Yeah. yeah. He understands. I just feel like he would have understood this yeah. role so much and have been able to make it fun yeah. and bring some weird joy to it. Yeah. But he couldn't do it. And, and he has a bemused look on his face quite a lot. Constantly. That guy has a wry smile if I've ever seen one. But this is it. <laughs> yeah. He does have that yeah. look of he's a little bit kind of always laughing yeah. at you and finds every situation a little bit ridiculous in a way that I actually do find incredibly sexy. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I would do whatever Alexander Skarsgård yeah. told me to do. <laughs> I'm a little bit afraid of him. NDA, in- NDA me up the wazoo, <laughs> Alexander. <laughs> so I just think, I'm like, damn, that's a missed opportunity. They eventually went with Jamie Dornan, who I believe, and I'm eager to get your thoughts on this, was not a good fit. I do not think he was a good fit. He doesn't look comfortable in the world. He does not. Yeah. He, look, he, And I'll tell you why. They had to teach him to walk differently. Have you heard about this? I, Apparently Jamie Dornan has a little a little Irish sprightly walk <laughs> where he skips on the on his toes and they're like, Oh, Christian's gonna be a heel, a heel to toe man, so we need to beat that area. He had to walk differently. Secondly, this is my personal opinion. That man needs a beard. I've never seen a man with a yeah. weaker top lip. He needs a beard. <laughs> Do you know what? And like, I'll say like, he's been in The Fall. He's been in, uh, I don't know if you've seen The Tourist. Anything he's been in now, he's had a beard. Oh and yeah, it's, it's just the making it's of sexy. him. It's the it's making sexy. of him. Yeah. Now, an interesting time for him to be cast because he had just won a BAFTA after The Fall and he was really kind of on the up. You yeah. know, so it was this kind of feeling of, he's a really interesting actor coming out of Northern Ireland in yeah. this very provocative, very critically renowned show what a BAFTA what's he going to do next and it was Fifty Shades of Grey see this is what I find interesting because I thought thought the fall came after no. Fifty Shades of Grey and I, I remember being like god like fair play to him he's really kind of broken out of the Fifty Shades of that Fifty Shades of yeah. Grey could have actually buried him yeah well, it must have been money and actually was it just money because it, not in the sense of even him earning but like if you have such a successful film surely then yeah. you can go in and be like here I want financing for this film or whatever yeah I so he has he has said you know Years after the fact, I think he publicly, similar to Robert Pattinson in Twilight, publicly hated being in Fifty Shades of Grey and has said, you know, it probably wasn't the best thing for my career. Looking back, he said, look, no one's career is hurt by being in a billion dollar franchise. There you go. I now get to do choices like Belfast because I have the star power that gets that movie attention. And also probably a bit of money. Like, let's be honest, you can start doing the indie films. Yeah. If you've got like, you know, like anyone, a Marvel actor is able to go and be like, yeah, I'll go do this budget film in Bulgaria <laughs> or something. Do you know what I mean? Because I have, <laughs> because I have that Captain America money, like whatever it is. You exactly. Know what I mean? yeah. And I was saying this, sorry. I was saying this to my partner as I was getting ready because I was kind of telling him a little bit about what I'd be talking about. And I said, you know, Jamie Jordan has said this movie's allowed him to do yeah. indie films. And Kieran said, uh, yeah, he wasn't getting Wild Mountain Time greenlit. <laughs> Do you know what, Neve? We have to do a bonus episode on Wild Mountain Time because I I genuinely thought I was high watching it um, because I don't understand. (laughs) I totally forgot about that film. Um, Um, So yeah, so so that's kind of so Jamie Dornan. He took this role. The critics panned it. Yeah, the the fans hated it. Like really, oh yeah, they were so unhappy with him in this role. They did not want him in this at all. And it just sounds like it did sound like a very miserable time for him filming yeah. this. 
I have to say, watching the movie, I was like, this man is, to use a Gen Z phrase, rizless. He has no charisma in yeah. this role. He's so dull. He yeah. is a block of granite. Like, yeah. there's nothing to him. Dakota Johnson as Anna Steele, I think is lovely. I, I think it's really good. God, when I was rewatching the film this morning, when I was rewatching the film, genuinely I was like, oh, she's, she's good fun. in this. She's she, very and fun. And she has made that character yes. not annoying. Because yes. in the book, that character is actually annoying. Yeah, oh yeah. But in this, she's funny. There's like bits where she's literally just like, you know, she's laughing at herself almost yeah. and laughing at him. Oh yeah. This, I was like, God, fair play to you for making something out of nothing. She made something out of something nothing. Out of nothing. Yeah. I thought that she was so charming and so yeah. fun and so believable in yeah. it. I was actually like so pleasantly surprised. There's a moment where he surprises her in the hardware store it to buy cable ties and rope <laughs> like and a serial killer, tape. Like a serial killer. And she just plays that scene so well. She's like literally like, what are you doing? She's like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, so yeah. startled yeah, by yeah. him. So I think that she is so charming. I feel bad for her. I feel like she was kind of left out there alone and there was the with whole no time with no partner with, yeah. to dance with. There was a whole time during filming that, you know, she was, there was rumours of a rift between them. They weren't getting along. Right. She has since said that is not true. They were very close during filming. There were difficult days, but eventually they kind of worked as partners and he stood up for her quite a lot whenever she said no to something being oh, filmed. Wow. She said, Great. whenever I wasn't comfortable with something, he backed me and said, if Dakota's not doing it, I'm not doing it. Which I think is really lovely. And to your point earlier, a lot of those conversations happened after female director Sam Taylor Johnson left and male director James <gasps> Foley came on board for the two sequels. Oh, okay. Dakota Johnson has said that when a man came on to direct, there was a different energy on set, a different vibe. And she relied very heavily on Jamie Dornan to back her up when she said God, no to things. So it's very sad. It's very sad. Can I ask, Was I, I imagine this was pre, this pre-intimacy coordinator days. I'm so glad you asked that. There was an intimacy, intimacy coordinator. Yes, there was. Okay, yes, there all right. Was. Okay. I haven't been able to find out too much right. about how involved they were, but there was one on set. Yeah, okay. And they often filmed in closed rooms and used... Um, remote control cameras to film but with all that being said there were days when they were literally naked all day on set so uh, do you know I want because one thing about the film I noticed is how um, kind of pared down the sex scenes are there's hard oh my god in barely any sex in this little, film they were like they, were, they weren't touching the Benoit balls in the film <laughs> I'll tell you this that was for the book <laughs> I'm gonna because actually one thing as well, right? Let's let's be honest. I will say again, giving credit to the sex scenes in the book, there were things, and I remember so distinctly when I read it in my twenties, yeah. I was shocked by. Yeah. And one was the tampon. Oh yeah. There's a scene with a tampon, and I just remember being like, I had never in my life heard anything like this, and even that, I'm like, that's the problem with a sanitized Hollywood version, yes. and I think there is a thing with fans that. You know, any fan of something where they're like, I just want to see it directly on screen. No, you don't. Yeah. Because actually it doesn't work. <laughs> no, I mean, but I mean that it's like, you. it's like being like, you know, when you have like a flavor of a chocolate bar you really like and then they make it into an ice cream. You're like, great, I want it in an ice cream. You don't. Yeah. Because <laughs> like it doesn't taste the same and it's going to be a shitter version of what you like. <laughs> right. What you want is someone to take something and make put their spin on it. Exactly. Even if you hate it or love it you're going to get something different out of it. Yeah. And actually, that is the whole thing about anything that's sort of about sex or porn. It's the change. It's the, oh, yeah. surprise. It's the something I haven't seen before. And yeah. the problem is, is that now studios, because of Twitter, I'm not calling it the other name, <laughs> and because of social media <laughs> yeah. and forums, 
executives literally are sh- probably showing up in meetings and go, but the, the fans said they want this, yeah. so we'll give them this. No, you don't give, because that's like giving a toddler what they want. Like, that's just <laughs> not, and I'm not. But you know, I'm not downgrading fans. I have been massive fans. No, and, go, so and then true. being like, they changed that. But then actually going, well, that's a better piece of, yeah. of art. That's, you know. Yeah, that's so funny that you say that because the last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about and yeah, it is interesting about that tampon scene that that's removed and in the book, essentially, he follows her to Georgia where she's hanging out with Stops her mom. Stalks her to Georgia. Stalks her to yeah. Georgia. They end up having sex in a bathroom yeah. and she has her period and he pulls her tampon out yeah. to have sex with her. That at the time couldn't be shown on screen. Mm-hmm. Like periods yeah. were not. And I'm just thinking now in an era where people are tweeting endlessly about Saltburn yeah a movie that has a scene of someone going down on someone who has their period and then bringing the period blood up you know to the face and smearing it on her like to think that those and that's like not even the scene in Saltburn that anyone's talking about you're so right actually Saltburn imagine a Fifty Shades of Grey version with a salt burn kind of twist on it. Let, there you know, you people go. have problems with Emerald Fennel. Let, let her direct. Let her go with Fish Shades of Grey. But that's kind of, that I think is where I'm like, that's what the film that actually fans want. Yeah. But at the time, you were never going to get You were never going to get it. So oh Sam God. Taylor Johnson left the after trilogy the after the first one. The reason was both her and Dakota Johnson have said that working so closely with E.L. James was an absolute nightmare. Dakota Johnson has referred to the filming of the first movie as psychotic oh, stop. because E.L. James had such a high level of creative control. She was on set every single day. E.L. James also was a TV executive Yeah, in her before she was yeah. an author, which is something to note because executives yeah, she famously was a bit of a Christian Grey can't give up control vibe <laughs> of them. Well, she did not want one piece of dialogue changed <sighs> from film to movie and in this conversation of you know what what how you communicate something from a book to screen how you adapt something for a different medium yeah it is imperative that those things change yeah sure dialogue famously in the book is so unbelievably rancid like it's it's like unreadable yeah but she insisted you know that they keep things mostly the same so she fought for this very much in the vein of fan service. You know, she's like, the fans are going to expect that. The fans love this. And she is someone that owes all of her, like yeah. we talked about, she owes that success to fans and she does feel very close to them, I think. This started as fanfic. It's been elevated because of this like fan crowd. She was representing them in direct like contradiction to people like Sam Taylor Johnson who wanted to make something, I think that the reference they kept referring like quoting was they wanted to make something in the vein of like nine and a half weeks right. or blue is the warmest colour kind of like a bit of a dark fairy tale yeah. was how they yeah. referred to it E.L. James wanted literally the book on screen so and that is the reason which is I, by the way a made for TV movie then yeah like it is exactly. it's a Hallmark movie exactly. you know what I mean like that's what you're talking about and yeah. that's why we're left with this film that is almost meritless in a way apart from the fact that I hope that women got some kicks out of it you know there's nothing else to it it's so joyless it's so charmless and the thing is over the course of the trilogy they try and turn it into about romance yeah but it isn't about romance no there's no romance or chemistry between those two 
actors or those characters. Yeah. You know, there's nothing there and they weren't afforded the opportunity with the adaptation to make more of it. And that's why I just think it's such a shame. Like I watched it. I watched it on my phone. And usually when we're doing something for yeah. this podcast, I really try and give it my all, but there was nothing. The movie's Stivoid. like cling film. There's nothing to hang on to. I was just sliding right and off do, of it. Do you know what's interesting though? I, I will say, <clears throat> I, you know, and I, I put this probably down to the director as well. There were scenes that she managed to, because the dialogue wasn't changed, managed to make it funnier by just placing it in pla- certain yeah. places. When they're debating the contract, they're in this red sort of like big room and it, it's actually a bit, it makes it a bit funnier. Yeah. And it makes what they're doing just this like insane, insane looking thing. It's a very sexy looking boardroom. Yeah. And they're discussing a contract. It's like a business meeting discussing this contract. Yeah. And Anna's like, but it's what's like, a butt plug? No, <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, she's like, no anal fisting. And he's like, no vaginal fisting. And he's like, he's like scratching it out. That that's, is so fun. It's made fun. And yeah. I'm like, that's purely a director managing to, managing to make a mountain out of a molehill. Absolutely. Like, a fair play to her because yeah. I was like, you've managed to make, and even actually the inflections of some of the actors they give, again, uh, Dakota Johnson especially Dakota Johnson but there's once or twice I will say he manages to make Christian funnier yeah but if I just there's a bit where he's, she asks a stupid question in the first interview he goes you serious yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like well that's him yeah. that's him saying that but um, yeah yeah you know you're totally right and that is like a very those hints of what it could have been you know and there's yeah. like there is a scene where he takes her flying and you're like why are you doing this Christian if you don't want it to be a romantic relationship and like Dakota Johnson the camera is really focused on her during that scene and they're going upside down and she looks so joyous yeah. it looks really fun yeah. it looks really lovely but listen um, the last thing that I wanted to say because I find this so interesting this movie was obviously we knew, everyone knew it was going to make money so mm. people wanted to be involved Beyonce the music the music Beyonce recorded a special edition of Crazy in Love for this film. And it's terrible. But that was another thing as I was I was talking to Kieran about this earlier and he's like, isn't it crazy to think of the days where Beyonce was just a pop star? Yes. Like she was in Austin Paris 3. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Foxy Cleopatra. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah, out yeah, here yeah. doing Anton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it is so We've crazy. all had to hustle. No one hasn't had to hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and for me, what that means, and just as my final note of this film, what it comes down to was this was a money making machine and it is what the movie as well as you're watching it and I think as they continue because I read the summaries then of the others because I was just curious to see what happens E.L. James eventually turns this into capitalism porn yeah and it becomes about him lavishing her with gifts and I think that that's just a great you know comparison or parallel with what this industry has done to this (laughs) work oh my tagline okay so the tagline uh, oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. From what I could tell, the tagline, the real tagline is, Mr. Grey will see you now. Oh, Jesus. Okay. That's actually not bad. Not bad. <laughs> My tagline, Mr. Grey will stalk you now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it's the subtle change. It's the subtle change. I love it. Uh, well, Grace, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Uh, very excited because we're going to be back with season two of The Jump very soon. So we're coming back officially with episode one, season two, March 21st. Mm-hmm. And make sure you're following us on Instagram and TikTok, TikTok. and all the places to get more information about what we're going to cover this season. And guys, please tell your friends about the podcast if you enjoy it like share subscribe leave some reviews because it really does help people find the podcast and hopefully then we can start doing bonus episodes and more thank you guys we love you like you do but we won't stalk you (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening to The Jump if you enjoyed this episode please rate review and subscribe to the show 
and tell all your friends about us. It really helps us to continue to make the show even better. If you want to contact us with recommendations on what to cover next, message us on Instagram or TikTok at The Jump Podcast or email us at thejumppodcastx at gmail.com. That's thejumppodcastx at gmail.com. <laughs>